Story One of The Third Circle by Frank Norris. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Story One The Third Circle. There are more things in San Francisco's Chinatown than are dreamed of in heaven and earth. In reality, there are three parts of Chinatown the part the guides show you, the part the guides don't show you, and the part that no one ever hears of. It is with the latter part that this story has to do. There are a good many stories that might be written about this third circle of Chinatown, but believe me, they never will be written, at any rate not until the town has been, as it were, drained off from the city, as one might drain a noisome swamp, and we shall be able to see the strange, dreadful life that wallows down there in the lowest ooze of the place, wallows and grovels there in the mud and in the dark if you don't think this is true ask some of the chinese detectives the regular squad are not to be relied on ask them to tell you the story of the li on ting affair or ask them what was done to old wong sam who thought he could break up the trade in slave girls or why mr clarence lowney he was a clergyman from minnesota who believed in direct methods is now a dangerous inmate of the state asylum ask them to tell you why matsokura the japanese dentist went back to his home lacking a face ask them to tell you why the murderers of little pete will never be found and ask them to tell you about the little slave girl sing yi or no on the second thought don't ask for that story the tale i am to tell you now began some twenty years ago in a siyup restaurant on weverly place long since torn down where it will end i do not know i think it is still going on it began when young hillegas and miss ten eyck they were from the east and engaged to be married found their way into the restaurant of the seventy moons late in the evening of a day in march it was the year after the downfall of Kearney and the discomfiture of the sandlotters what a dear quaint curious old place exclaimed miss ten eyck she sat down on an ebony stool with a marble seat and let her gloved hands fall into her lap looking about her at the huge hanging lanterns the gilded carven screens the lacquer work the inlay work the coloured glass the dwarf oak trees growing in satsuma pots the marquetry the painted matting the incense jars of brass high as a man's head and all the grotesque jim crackery of the orient the restaurant was deserted at that hour young hillegas pulled up a stool opposite her and leaned his elbows on the table pushing back his hat and fumbling for a cigarette might just as well be in china itself he commented might she retorted we are in china tom a little bit of china dug out and transplanted here fancy all america and the nineteenth century just around the corner look you can even see the palace hotel from the window see out yonder over the roof of that temple the ming yen isn't it and i can actually make out aunt harriet's rooms i say harry miss ten eyck's first name was harriet let's have some tea tom you're a genius won't it be fun of course we must have some tea what a lark and you can smoke if you want to this is the way one ought to see places said hillegas as he lit a cigarette just nose around by yourself and discover things 
now the guides never brought us here no they never did i wonder why why we just found it out by ourselves it's ours isn't it tom dear by right of discovery at that moment hillegas was sure that miss ten eyck was quite the most beautiful girl he ever remembered to have seen there was a daintiness about her a certain chic trimness in her smart tailor-made gown and the least perceptible tilt of her crisp hat that gave her the last charm pretty she certainly was the fresh vigorous healthful prettiness only seen in certain types of unmixed american stock all at once hillegas reached across the table and taking her hand kissed the little crumpled round of flesh that showed where her glove buttoned the china boy appeared to take their order and while waiting for their tea dried almonds candied fruit and watermelon rinds the pair wandered out upon the overhanging balcony and looked down into the darkening streets there's that fortune-teller again observed hillegas presently see down there on the steps of the joss house where oh yes i see let's have him up shall we we'll have him tell our fortunes while we're waiting hillegas called and beckoned and at last got the fellow up into the restaurant oh you're no chinaman said he as the fortune-teller came into the circle of the lantern-light the other showed his brown teeth part chinaman part kanaka kanaka all same honolulu sabe mother kanaka lady wash em clothes for sailor peoples down kawi way and he laughed as though it were a huge joke well say jim said hillegas we want you to tell our fortunes you sabe tell the lady's fortune who's she going to marry for instance no fortune tattoo tattoo mm, all same tattoo three four seven plenty little birds on lady's arm hey you want tattoo he drew a tattooing needle from his sleeve and motioned toward miss tin ike's arm tattoo my arm what an idea but wouldn't it be funny tom aunt hottie's sister came back from honolulu with the prettiest little butterfly tattooed on her finger i've half a mind to try and it would be awfully queer and original let him do it on your finger then you never could wear evening dress if it was on your arm of course he can tattoo something as though it was a ring and my marquise can hide it the kanaka chinaman drew a tiny fantastic-looking butterfly on a bit of paper with a blue pencil licked the drawing a couple of times and wrapped it around miss ten Eyck's little finger the little finger of her left hand the removal of the wet paper left an imprint of the drawing then he mixed his ink in a small sea-shell dipped his needle and in ten minutes had finished the tattooing of a grotesque little insect as much butterfly as anything else there said hillegas when the work was done and the fortune-teller gone his way there you are and it will never come out it won't do for you now to plan a little burglary or forge a little check or slay a little baby for the coral around its neck cause you can always be identified by that butterfly upon the little finger of your left hand i'm almost sorry now i had it done won't it ever come out pshaw anyhow i think it's very chic said harriet ten Eyck. i say though exclaimed hillegas jumping up where's our tea and cakes and things it's getting late we can't wait here all evening i'll go out and jolly that chap along 
the chinaman to whom he had given the order was not to be found on that floor of the restaurant hillegas descended the stairs to the kitchen the place seemed empty of life on the ground floor however where tea and raw silk was sold hillegas found a chinaman figuring up accounts by means of little balls that slid to and fro upon rods the chinaman was a very gorgeous-looking chap in round-horned spectacles and a costume that looked like a man's nightgown of quilted blue satin i say john said hillegas to this one i want some tea you sabe upstairs restaurant give china boy order he no come get plenty much move on huh the merchant turned and looked at hillegas over his spectacles ah he said calmly i regret that you have been detained you will no doubt be attended to presently you are a stranger in chinatown ahem well yes i we are without doubt without doubt murmured the other i suppose you are the proprietor ventured hillegas i oh no my agents have a silk house here i believe they sublet the upper floors to the sea ups by the way we have just received a consignment of india silk shawls you may be pleased to see he spread a pile upon the counter and selected one that was particularly beautiful permit me he remarked gravely to offer you this as a present to your good lady hillegas's interest in this extraordinary oriental was aroused here was a side of the chinese life he had not seen nor even suspected he stayed for some little while talking to this man whose bearing might have been that of cicero before the senate assembled and left him with the understanding to call upon him the next day at the consulate he returned to the restaurant to find miss tenike gone he never saw her again no white man ever did there is a certain friend of mine in san francisco who calls himself manning he is a plaza bum that is he sleeps all day in the old plaza that shoal where so much human jetsam has been stranded and during the night follows his own devices in chinatown one block above manning was at one time a deep-sea pearl diver in oahu and having burst his eardrums in the business can now blow smoke out of either ear this accomplishment first endeared him to me and latterly i found out that he knew more of chinatown than is meet and right for a man to know the other day i found manning in the shade of the stevenson ship just rousing from the effects of a jag on undiluted gin and told him or rather recalled to him the story of harriet ten eyck i remember he said resting on an elbow and chewing grass it made a big noise at the time but nothing ever came of it nothing except a long row and the cutting down of one of mr hillegas's chinese detectives in gambler's alley the c yups brought a chap over from peking just to do the business hatchet man said i no answered manning spitting green he was a two-knife kai king as how two knives one in each hand cross your arms and then draw em together right and left scissor fashion damn near slashed his man in two he got five thousand for it after that the detectives said they couldn't find much of a clue and miss ten Eyck was not so much as heard from again no answered manning biting his fingernails they took her to china i guess or maybe up to oregon 
that sort of thing was new twenty years ago and that's why they raised such a row i suppose but there are plenty of women living with chinamen now and nobody thinks anything about it and they are canton chinamen too lowest kind of coolies there's one of them up in st louis place just back of the chinese theatre and she's a sheeny there's a queer team for you the hebrew and the mongolian and they've got a kid with red crinkly hair who's a rubber in a hammam bath yes it's a queer team and there's three more white women in a slave girl joint under ah yi's tan room that's where i get my opium they can talk a little english even yet funny thing one of em's dumb but if you get her drunk enough she'll talk a little english to you it's a fact i've seen him do it with her often actually get her so drunk that she can talk tell you what added manning struggling to his feet i'm going up there now to get some dope you can come along and we'll get sadie sadie's her name we'll get sadie full and ask her if she ever heard about miss tonight they do a big business said manning as we went along there's ayi and these three women and a policeman named yank they get all the yin shi that's the cleanings of the opium pipes you know and make it into pills and smuggle it into the cons over at san quentin prison by means of the trustees why they'll make five dollars worth of dope sell for thirty by the time it gets into the yard over at the pen when i was over there i saw a chap knifed behind a jute mill for a pill as big as a pea ah yi gets the stuff the three women roll it into pills and the policeman yank gets it over to the trustees somehow ah yi is independent rich by now and the policeman's got a bank account and the women lord they're slaves ah yi's slaves they get the swift kick most generally manning and i found sadie and her two companions four floors underneath the tan room sitting cross-legged in a room about as big as a big trunk i was sure they were chinese women at first until my eyes got accustomed to the darkness of the place they were dressed in chinese fashion but i noted soon that their hair was brown and the bridges of each one's nose was high they were rolling pills from a jar of yin shi that stood in the middle of the floor their fingers twinkling with a rapidity that was somehow horrible to see manning spoke to them briefly in chinese while he lit a pipe and two of them answered with the true canton sing-song all vowels and no consonants that one sadie said manning pointing to the third one who remained silent the while i turned to her she was smoking a cigar and from time to time spat through her teeth man-fashion she was a dreadful-looking beast of a woman wrinkled like a shrivelled apple her teeth quite black from nicotine her hands bony and prehensile like a hawk's claws but a white woman beyond all doubt at first sadie refused to drink but the smell of manning's can of gin removed her objections and in half an hour she was hopelessly loquacious what effect the alcohol had upon the paralyzed organs of her speech i cannot say sober she was tongue-tied drunk she could emit a series of faint bird-like twitterings that sounded like a voice heard from the bottom of a well sadie said manning blowing smoke out of his ears what makes you live with chinamen you're a white girl you got people somewhere why don't you get back to them sadie shook her head like em china boy better she said in a voice so faint we had to stoop to listen ah yi's pretty good to us 
Plenty to eat, plenty to smoke, and as much yin shi as we can stand. Oh, I don't complain. You know, you can get out of this whenever you want. Why don't you make a run for it some day when you're out? Cut for the mission house on Sacramento Street. They'll be good to you there. Oh, said Sadie listlessly, rolling a pill between her stained palms. I been here so long, I guess I'm kind of used to it. I've about got out of white people's ways by now. They wouldn't let me have my yin shi and my cigar, and that's about all I want nowadays. You can't eat yin shi long and care for much else, you know. Pass that gin along, will you? I'm going to faint in a minute. Wait a minute, said I, my hand on Manning's arm. How long have you been living with Chinamen, Sadie? Oh, I don't know. All my life, I guess. I can't remember back very far only spots here and there where's that gin you promised me only in spots said i here a little and there a little is that it can you remember how you came to take up with this kind of life sometimes i can and sometimes i can't answered sadie suddenly her head rolled upon her shoulder her eyes closing manning spoke up roughly let be let be she exclaimed rousing up i'm dead sleepy can't you see wake up and keep awake if you can said manning this gentleman wants to ask you something ah ye bought her from a sailor on a junk in the piho river put in one of the other women how about that sadie i asked were you ever on a junk in a china river hey try and think i don't know she said sometimes i think i was there's lots of things I can't explain, but it's because I can't remember far enough back. Did you ever hear of a girl named Ten Eyck, Harriet Ten Eyck, who was stolen by Chinamen here in San Francisco a long time ago? There was a long silence. Sadie looked straight before her, wide-eyed. The other women rolled pills industriously. Manning looked over my shoulder at the scene, still blowing smoke through his ears then sadie's eyes began to close and her head to loll sideways my cigar's gone out she muttered you said you'd have gin for me ten eyck ten eyck no i don't remember anybody named that her voice failed her suddenly and then she whispered say how did i get that on me she thrust out her left hand and i saw a butterfly tattooed on the little finger End of story one.